Okay, Matt, we are recording again tonight. Can you believe that? A, thir- a third recording uh, this evening. Yes, um, and what uh, we're doing is we're introducing our Gamera versus Gauss 50th anniversary panel, which was more or less recorded as a live episode at G-Fest 2017. Um, so you'll hear the two of us and Nick Poling, who does the Monster Report on YouTube. Uh, huge shout out to Nick because uh, he, first of all, more or less invited us to do this and uh, has just been an awesome guy all around. Um, and uh, so, like I said, that was done as pretty much a live episode of Kaiju Transmissions and the Monster Report. Um, and uh, Matt, I think I think we did okay for it being our first panel. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like the first uh, five or so minutes, we were a little nervous and it showed, and then we kind of got into it and it was fine after that. But I, I, we had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of preparation went into it. We had some behind-the-scenes uh, pictures. Yeah, and- tons of awesome slides um, uh, that you brought, so thank you for, for bringing those. And people listening, if you want to check out the video of it, um, Nick will be putting it up under the Monster Report banner um, probably fairly soon so you can check that out also yeah but it's a lot of really interesting film history there especially if you don't know the behind the scenes and history of like what was driving that film to be made and honestly um, as far as that not to cut you off but as far as that goes it's probably the most interesting gamma movie in a way I, yeah I, I agree but i mean there, there's just a ton there um so it was really fun to talk about in our first panel. So like, I'm hoping and uh, thinking that if we get invited to back to do future panels, I'm I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to doing them. Yeah. And hopefully no, we're I'm... not like as nervous and we bring more t-shirts next time because I think we, we like got rid of those in about two minutes. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. First of all, I would definitely do another one. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens in time and what kind of topics we can. Uh, think of um but yeah we did bring away we did bring some giveaway t-shirts um we didn't have that how many did we have maybe 10 yeah we we, we basically started with 10 and then we we dwindled that pretty quickly and those were handed out yeah like, and then and then after the panel uh those went like they just flew out, basically flew out of the box so yeah we weren't <laughs> sure like if anybody would want any like i i didn't expect like i was kind of wondering if anybody would want one yeah (laughs) but no those those flew right out of our hands so thank you i mean we went on at the same time as material oshima and we were in um the next biggest ballroom and we managed to fill probably about half of it um so considering that we were in a big room and our competition next to us was the composer widely loved composer of godzilla music i think the turnout was pretty good so shout out to everyone that came um you guys are awesome and uh and yeah uh, i i just i don't know it was it was the first time i ever really did a panel and uh it was it was really enjoyable and um again thanks to nick for putting it together you'll also hear i don't know if he's gonna do any editing or anything but uh at one point his child became a slight bit unruly uh and and came up on the stage and started playing with like one of the spare mics so if you hear that that's all that is and uh yeah and i did everything in my power to rein the child in but (laughs) yeah i mean that's what kids do i was like it didn't bother me any because i would have fully expected my kid to do the same thing except it probably would have been worse because he would have been like saying stuff about the monsters (laughs) like actively i don't know 
yeah, so uh, hopefully you enjoy Kaiju Transmissions meets the Monster Report live at G-Fest with Gamera versus Gauss. So anything else you want to say about this lovely panel that uh, people will be cramming into their ear holes any moment now? I just, uh, just enjoy it. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you. Welcome to our Camera vs. Scouts 50th anniversary. Can you believe it's been 50 years since this film came out? It's just amazing that uh, we have this. Is, um, some of us might consider this as one of our favorite uh, Gamera films, or maybe even second favorite. I'd probably say it's one of my uh, top three favorites. I'd say maybe even uh, second favorite. But only two of the show. Actually, no. I, I actually think it's probably the second. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll get to that conversation as we go along. But uh, some introductions first. My name is Nick. Adam Poling. I'm the host of the Monster Report on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, go to YouTube, go to Facebook, Twitter, follow me, and uh, check out the shows. Got some uh, G-Fest uh, stuff on there, some unboxing and review episodes, and all kinds of discussion episodes. And I am joined here by the Kaiju Transmissions, and I'm going to let them plug their podcast, actually. So uh, why don't we start with uh, Matt here. Go ahead. Hello, everybody. I am Matt Marmley, one of the hosts of the Guide Transmissions podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, KT underscore podcast. And uh, Bert? I am Kyle Bird. I am the other host of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Again, please follow us on Facebook and all that good stuff. Um, uh, and we've been doing this for a little over a year, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, this is also going to be put out as a live recording for our podcast and for the Monster Report here. So uh, audio visual will be available. Okay, awesome. And so, uh, real quick, we'll just go over the plot. We've got some discussion points, and if we have some time at the end, we'll open up some Q and A. Uh, but as far as Gamma versus Gauss, if you if you haven't seen it, you're probably not here. But since we're we're probably all kaiju fans, I'll kind of go over it real quick. We, if you remember it, of course, the volcanic eruptions happening at the beginning of this film, and uh, it's uh, you know Gamera is actually you know brought in as a result. He's 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 the monster that likes fire. Gauss is the one who doesn't, of course. Uh, Gauss is revealed, of course, in this uh, village, and there's this plot of the village that's uh, I'll explain kind of in a minute. But again, uh, Gauss is. Uh, are happening in the woods. There's this green glow, of course. They gotta investigate. You got a reporter and a kid that goes out there. Uh, reporter gets eaten. Kids get saved by Gamera. No, uh, we got that kid story kind of going along with that. Uh, AEG is his name, and uh, and we'll talk about characters as we go along too. But uh, that village story is kind of an interesting one because. They're going to lose their homes, essentially, to the new highway that's being built, the road construction crew, but uh, they're trying to get the best uh, value for their land and all that, so they're causing vandalism, they're stirring up trouble, anything they can do to uh, see if they can get the most uh, amount of money uh, out, of their, out of their land. They know they're going to be eventually have to leave. Uh, anyway, so uh, there's that kind of going on. Along the way, we've got monster action that's happening all around them. So, uh, you know, the military has to intervene. It's interestingly enough, AEG is the, uh, what do we call him, the military advisor, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who comes up with three plans, I think, uh, through the course of this that the military goes along with. It's like, you know, that's a great idea. He just happens to be six years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, get him on the payroll. <laughs> 
And so, uh, but ultimately, Gamera takes the victory at the end because, of course, uh, dragging Gauss into the volcano, Gauss and uh, fire don't mix well, but Gamera, he loves the fire. He just uh, soaks in it. He just uh, thinks it's like a sauna, so it's just perfect for it. And as we go along, we've got some uh, really cool slides, uh, behind-the-scenes photos, and some other stuff to show you as well. So, uh, kind of with the plot out of the way, and hopefully we've seen it recently, uh, uh, I actually watched it again last night to just kind of refresh on it, and it was you know, a great experience watching with my son, and uh, he's here. So, uh, let's talk about the behind-the-scenes of the scripting of this film. Uh, some things that may have been going on before uh, this film made it to the big screen. Pat. All right. Um, well, this came out in 1967, which is kind of known as the year of the, the kaiju boom. That's right. Also in 1967, um, we had Son of Godzilla, King Kong Escapes, uh, Gappa, Dex from Outer Space, uh, and even Korea um, got into the game with Yongari. On TV, there was Ultra 7, there was Johnny Sacco, um, so it was really just super saturated. After the release of Gamera vs. Paragon, shifted away from the more kid-friendly angle of the original film. Um, uh, it, was, it was heavy on the human drama, uh, it was a little longer, and they found that kids who made up a good portion of the box office intake weren't paying attention to the movie when it was on. So they were running up and down, theater aisles, just being disruptive um, because too too much talking, not enough monsters. Um, so uh, Noriaki Yasa, who directed the first Gamera film, um, he was demoted to special effects director for Baragon, and he was um, telling them, and he said, you know, after Baragon, I don't really think we should do that again. I think we should go back to focusing on the monsters, and um, eventually that's what brought us another child and uh, protagonist, which we'll see from... And uh, so he convinced them to let him... He convinced I to let him direct again, and... <laughs> Uh, that's where we have Gamera versus Gauss come in. Um, now, uh, as far as figuring out what kind of monster Gamera fight, um, it's said that uh, Dai was actually inspired by Dracula to come up with Gauss, who, if you've seen the movie, you know he's more or less a vampire bat kind of creature, and he, he drinks blood. Um, and uh, it's, it's been said that uh, that was kind of an idea that was triggered by them seeing uh, how Toho had made their own King Kong and Frankenstein movies. I haven't seen uh, a whole lot of sources like that, so take it with a grain of salt, but it's worth thinking about. He comes out at, he only comes out at night. Yep. Yeah, yep. Not yeah. Be. he's a vampire. He's the creature of the night. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and uh, we'll get into what this movie did to change the course of the series a little bit more. Okay, so yeah, Matt's going to talk about that because the last film, of course, Cameron vs. Bergen, uh, yeah, not not in the same tone, almost not, almost not in the same vein of this film, actually. So, uh, Matt, talk about how the change in the direction of this franchise was from this uh, this film from the last film. So after the success of, of the first movie. Um, Basically, Dye made Gamera vs. Paragon. They, they made what they considered an A-list production. So they had, like, Kojiro Hongo, um, they had a, a huge cast, they had a much bigger budget than for the, for the second film that they, than they did the first. And for Paragon, the main responsible party, obviously Noriaki Yuasa, 
um, as, as Bird talked about, like he was only used for special effects. So instead, uh, Shigeo Tanaka directed the film. And the actual quote from Yuasa is he was talking about the uh, for, for Baragon. He actually said, Many children went to get some food or they just ran through the corridors during the movie. And so they shifted the tone for the second film. And what they said was, um, they said the movie against a very real historical backdrop, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And the film was scripted by Fumi Takahashi. He wrote the first film as well. And it, fo it focuses more basically on uh, Aichi, the child protagonist, than the, uh, and it kind of follows the, the benchmark of the original film, which had another child in it. And obviously, uh, Baragon did not have really any children to speak of. Um, and what you have here is kids are solving adult problems. That is a thematic piece of camera that you see that is very different from the Showa Godzilla films. So that is kind of the shift in tone that you see throughout the entire Gamera series. Um, also, this is the first time that the Gamera theme song appears. Now you see it at the end of the film, and then from this film onward, you're going to see it like a hundred times. It'll be at the beginning of every movie, basically after this. And uh, Dai, actually, the, the music committee, essentially, came up with the idea for the, for the theme. Hidemasa Nagata was the guy that actually wrote the lyrics for it. So this is the first time we have a prominent child protagonist solving adult problems and he becomes a de facto military advisor, which is what you're going to see throughout the rest of the series. And then that's going to be um, kind of the common game that you see throughout this entire movie as well. Plus you have Gamera rescuing him at the very beginning, like 15 minutes in, you're going to see Gamera go out of his way to save his life, actually retreat from battle to save him from Gauss. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Gamera theme, of course, yeah, that's the, the like it or not, yeah, obviously it's, it's child-friendly, you know, that, that's a song that runs through our head because it gets played, you know, so often through that, that's what I was going uh, to talk about. I was going to say, Matt, are you going to sing it for us? You know, if, yeah, nobody wants to hear that. He's in the Mystery Science Theater version. Yeah, 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 nobody, yeah. my wife doesn't want to hear that when I sing in the shower. So that's <laughs> oh, goodness, oh gosh, that's so, yeah. But uh, we're going to talk about uh, this film, how we like it personally, what we think about it personally. Personally, actually, and Matt, you were kind of already in a role there. Uh, what do you think about this personally, and we'll, we'll take it from there. So, I love this movie. Um, it kind of has a special place in my heart, mainly because my kid loves it. Now, I might be a terrible parent because he's three and a half, and this movie's kind of violent, but uh, he requests this movie by name all the time. These are actually his two Gamera and Gauss figures that I picked up for him. Um, he's cool with us following. Yeah, we, uh, well, you know, that's the thing. Like, he was like, yeah, you got I asked, like, can we, can we take these to G-Fest? And he was fine with it. I was kind of kind of surprised. Um, so, for this movie, um, everything kind of comes together. It, it's a very well-balanced film. The monsters are kind of always on screen every 10 or 15 minutes. It's, the, the fights are also very well done. Like, the later Gamera films, they feel very clumsy. Gamera's like falling over at times, or he's playing, you know, the xylophone on Sigra, and it's just, you, you, don't, you don't have that. As the crashes every time he lands. Well, he does that once in this film, too, but it's, the, the fights in this are more well-constructed. The, the set pieces, for the most part, are good. The only the only thing I would criticize it for is Gauss is kind of like always floating in the air at times, and we have a picture later on in the slideshow of the, the Gauss prop they used for that. Um, but there, there's some really good set pieces. The, the child actor isn't overbearing. You don't have the Kenny factor, we like to call it. Um, the Gauss is a great villain. I, I love Gauss. He's probably one of my favorite monsters. And then um, Tadashi Yamachi was actually a pupil of Akira Fukube. He writes this really big, booming score for the film that works extremely well, in my opinion. So 
the, the movie opens up and you have this like just big boom entrance into the movie. So because of that, like it, it just kind of captures your attention right away. So for all those reasons, this is my favorite show game. And yeah, yeah, you're talking about um, yeah that score especially and the inspiration for Afukabe. You can really hear it in there. You know, just very uh, you know in your face, really timed well with what you see on the screen. Actually, and that's what uh, yeah that really captures uh, a lot about it. But uh, you don't want to hear about what I have to say. I'll say that next. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, I really like this one. Uh, Baragon is my my favorite, but it's probably my second favorite of the the Showa Gamera movies. Baragon kind of exists in a different part of my brain because it's so different. Um, but uh, it's kind of what Matt was saying. This is where everything kind of comes together. Um, you, you have the child protagonist who can be irritating, but unlike the later films, he's not front and center constantly. Um, and uh, again, Gauss has become the iconic Gamera villain, um, and uh, yeah, this is one of my favorites in the series, uh, also a great Mystery Science Theater episode, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, this is one where everything clicks together in a way that I don't think later films ever recaptured. Um, I think this one has the best balance between the kids' stuff and the adult stuff. Uh, it's probably the only one that I would say actually has a balance <laughs> between the two, you know, from, from after this through the end, it's pretty much 100% kid-centric. Um, so yeah, that's why I think this one really works. Um, and uh, I mean, I have effects and art direction stuff we'll talk about later that I think really make this one stand out. But yeah, um, so on our podcast, when we rate our movies, we have a rating scale for each thing. So, uh, Nick, since you're, you were kind enough to host us today, uh, I'll start with you. Uh, what would you, you pick a rating scale and tell us what you would give it out of five. Right, your rating scale, you usually pick something, you know, kind of from the movie that you can use out of five somethings, right? Yeah, yeah out of five. Yeah, and I, I, I was kind of thinking of that, actually, with this film. And uh, one of the things they do to come up with a, a way to uh, capture gals is to they create artificial blood. Yep. They actually, they, they use that and then they, the, the operation, I was actually laughing about that last night, they even come up with the name uh, very quickly to spin Gauss around on that, uh, that uh, turntable kind of uh, deal. They got Operation Whirlybird. They came up with that name really quickly. That was, that was pretty good. Okay, They listened to the kid, he, he had a great idea, but they came up with the, uh, the, the artificial blood, which was, you know, ingenious, you know, between uh, that. So if you were to say, and how many gallons of, out of five gallons of, of artificial blood, how many would you, how many, uh, uh, what rating would you give this film? I would, I would say three and a half, a solid three and a half. Uh, it's a fun movie, it's briskly paced. Um, I think, you know, it suffers from the same kind of nonsense that a lot of the old camera movies do, but that's part of its charm. Um, I, I really like it, so. 3.5? Yeah, 3.5. 3. Okay. I'm solid for it. Yeah. Solid for it. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, it, it doesn't have like the Gamer Olympics like Kieran does, where he's like swinging on the yeah, ball and yeah. stuff. Um, it's just it's, it's it's a it's a fun movie. It's also kind of appeals to kids and adults alike. Um, and Gauss is awesome. 
All right. Yeah. And I, I'd probably go along with the lines of about a good solid four, too. Uh, when you really think about Gauss as a character, actually, uh, because the monsters are characters, too. They're, they aren't props. They are uh, they are characters that we love or hate. And, and the Gauss is kind of uh, Gamera's arch nemesis. When it really comes down to it, he makes reappearances in Giron. He makes his uh, reappearance in the, in the uh, Heisei Gamera series as well, and, and the uh, Gamera the Brave. And so he, he keeps coming back, kind of like King Ghidorah. It's like, you know, that's the, the arch nemesis of Godzilla. It's like you have to, it's, it's almost like if you're going to be uh, doing a big gamma production, we've got to get Gauss in there somehow. And so this is kind of that movie that started that. And Gauss has some interesting kind of characteristics that we learned along the way. And I thought that really made uh, the character of the monster interesting because they actually took the time to explain why he doesn't turn his head. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the yeah. fact that that's the way the suit's built. That's the way most suits are built. They can't usually turn their head left and right. They have to turn their shoulders with it. And it's like, no, he has a forked throat. And that's how he creates his ultrasonic beam that uh, is, uh, you know, slices and dices things up. And that's where you get some of the, the humor in this film, which I love. That, uh, you know, the plane getting sliced in half, the car getting sliced in half. Nice enough uh, gals to slice it in half and leave the engine block intact. And that, and that wheel up front, it was still drivable. You know, even missing the human characters along the way so it's got that blend of, of humor suspense uh, drama you know it's got the human story that's pretty interesting the kid's story uh, you know even be uh, kind of watching it uh, late at night with the lights low and you see the uh, the TV going kind of crazy which is uh, like a, almost an EMP ability uh, that uh, Gauss has you know I think those kind of scenes make a well-rounded all over uh, entertaining film so that's yeah that's a way good you know good reason good way of uh, rating this film, uh, actually. So let's talk about the characters, actually. Uh, yeah, you just like 34. 34? Sure. Yeah, well, you talk about the characters. So as he's getting a slide up, um, I'm going to kind of go through just some brief clip notes on the characters. So uh, Kojiro Hongo, um, who's been in a ton of different movies, he, he plays Shiro, one of the main characters. He starred in, and this is kind of, Kojiro is actually the, the guy in the middle. Um, and uh, he started in three Gamera films. He actually also has a cameo appearance in Gamera Garden the Universe as the captain of Unojima, which is in the opening scene. He was also famous for being in a Dynaji. Um, there's a great story about him faking his illness to get out of, uh, he faked being sick to get out of being a Barugan. So, and he ended up being a series regular. So there's a, that's kind of a pretty cool thing about him. Uh, so the two people next to him, obviously you have uh, Naruki Abe who plays Aichi which is our child protagonist. And then you have Raiko, um, who plays um, Sumiko, which is Aichi's sister. So uh, she actually went on to, to star in Gamma vs. Huron, Gamma vs. Jigger, Jiger. Uh, and she was also famous for being um, in the Lone Wolf films. So if you're into a lot of those kind of movies, that she, she's great. Um, in the next slide, we actually have a couple of the other uh, actors. Um, the grandfather of Aichi, um, who was Kujihiro uh, Uida, um, he has been in 122 movies, sour films such as Throne of Blood, Seven Samurai, uh, Rashomon, so he's a fantastic actor. Um, I, he's been in so many great films. I mean, if, if you've not seen Throne of Blood, if you've not seen any of the sour stuff, you, you need to if you're a fan of Japanese cinema. Um, and then the guy uh, directly to Kujiro Hondo's right, uh, that's Dr. Aoki, he's the guy that kind of, he's supposed to be like the zoologist, if you will, 
Um, he appeared in four Gamer films, the original film through uh, Virus. And then, um, if you go to the next slide, uh, here we have the Gamer suit actor. Um, he played in the Gamer a number of different times, and that's uh, Teru um, Aragaki. And um, that's him actually getting in during the water scene, which, as we all know, is very dangerous for these suit actors. So that's kind of a brief overview of who was in the film, the, the main cast of characters. Um, so I want to talk about, and this is kind of the most interesting part of the movie, because we alluded to the fact that, that Yuvasa set a backdrop to a very real situation. 1967, um, well, let me backtrack, 1964, Japan hosted the Olympic Games. Um, right after that, they felt they actually needed additional transportation or international transportation, so they wanted to build an airport. And they wanted to put this airport in Narita. Um, this was supposed to be the biggest public works um, project in, in that time period. The problem was um, they wanted to use the U.S. equivalent of what we call eminent domain, where they go in and they seize land. Um, and the problem with that is that the, the laws for the, for the U.S. for the Japanese government to do that are very weak compared to what the U.S. government does here. It's like if if someone wants to come and take my house for the U in the U.S., they just have to pay pay me basically fair market value for my property. In Japan, they have to convince you to give up your land, which can take literally years and years and years. Um, so after that happened, um, so after World War II, there was a bunch of farmers that were given land. So these were people that either were serving in the war or they were displaced by the war. So things like war veterans coming home from Iraq or something that were given land to cultivate, to farm, or people that were affected by the war, war families, that kind of thing. They were given land to, to farm. Um, now the government wants to take that same land back from them. So rightfully so, they're furious about this, and they decide, you know what, we're not having it, we're not going to go anywhere. So that's the backstory for why the villagers in the Gamera film don't want to give up their land to this expressway company. They don't want to give up their land because they're, they're tired of the government's crap, and they're, they're not ready to give up anything. And the, the media at the time was painting these protesters, the Japanese government, they were painting these protesters kind of being very crooked, very against protests, or very against progress, I should say. Um, which is why you have the grandfather as kind of being this like skeevy character. He's only about the money. So from that standpoint, um, drop. Now you also have this organization called the Hante Dome, which is basically what it stands for is the Farmers League against the Narita Airport. Okay, these are people that came together and they organized marches. Now these weren't like protests down the street. They literally they built catapults, like they were actual catapults they used against police officers, against the people trying to build the airport. Um, they built forts, they built bunkers, um, they were joined by student activists, they had 24-hour watches. Like this was a full-blown insurrection, like we would probably call these people terrorists if they were in the U.S. today. Um, so, when the government tried to conduct their first land survey in 1967, the year that this movie came out, 2,000 riot police, they, they, what they faced were blocked roads, violent protests. Um, by 1971, police that were using like, water cannons, three policemen died. The airport, this project faced so many issues that by 2002, they'd only built one runway. That's like 40 years later that the media coverage in Japan painted the protesters as being these um, loony people against progress, trying to stop the government from doing what was right for the country. But in reality, they were farmers just trying to take care of their families. They were displaced from the war, they were displaced from the economy, and all they wanted to do was to keep their families safe. 
So the movie is, is in a lot of ways kind of a propaganda piece if you think of it that way, because at the end of the film, what happens? Everybody makes nice and they, and they go on with the project, but that's not really what happens. There were like six people killed, a lot of people hurt, hundreds of people got arrested. So there's a lot of backstory to this movie that you're not really getting. Um, and, and that's probably the most interesting part about the film, at least for me. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, you know, the, the fact is that they're making a social message through their, their films, and it seems like, you know, in the monster films, uh, you know, between Godzilla with the nuclear bomb and Shin Godzilla, you know, with everything that was happening after the earthquake, tsunami, and Fukushima, that uh, Japan has no, no problems with their, their entertainment industry, you know, going in these kind of directions. So, yeah, that human story of the, the villagers versus the uh, roadway company there, you know, I always found as, you know, as a kid, of course, I wanted to see the monsters, but as an adult, I watch that and I see that story kind of unfolding. Even on the, with the backdrop of all the monsters attacking them, they're still trying to haggle the price of their land. They're still protesting. They're still, you know, vandalizing all of these things that they're that they're trying to do, and they're still, you know, just being, you know, as overly defiant against the, this company. So I find that, you know, that that story is, uh, you know, making this uh, movie even more interesting as as it ages with that. Uh, with me, actually, as it, as it grows with me. So, um, yeah, let's talk about uh, visual effects now, Kyle. So, suits, animation sets, everything. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Slides you want me to pull up? Um, yeah, go back to two. Um, so, special effects uh, for. Um, from this movie onward would be directed by Kazufumi Fuji, who, um, according to lore, uh, didn't like being credited as special effects director out of respect to Eiji Tsuburaya, who had really been the king of that up until his death. Um, uh, effects shooting for a Gamera movie usually took about two months. Um, so, uh, before we get into Gauss, because there's a lot to talk about there, we'll, we'll talk about our, our friend Gamera here. Um, and, uh, to be honest, I've never been the biggest fan of the show of Gamera suit, especially when he's walking on all fours like that. He always kind of reminded me of, like, a hamburger with arms and legs. Um, but, uh, and, uh, here he is, um, terrorizing, uh, uh <laughs> yeah, our lead actress, uh, um, Reiko Kasahara. Um, now, uh, one interesting thing about this movie in particular is, uh, you're familiar with the show Gamera movies, they differ from a lot of kaiju movies in that Gamera's heat ray is actual fire, like is in real fire coming out of, out of the mouth, which I imagine must have freaked out pretty much anyone <laughs> working on the movie during those scenes. Uh, for this movie, they actually built a, uh, uh, a separate torso prop that would shoot the fire, uh, much to the relief of uh, Taro Aragaki, who was in the suit. Um, and uh, another difference that you'll see here, this is the first time uh, in any of the old movies where Gamera only pulls his legs in to fly. The reason for that was because uh, it cut down the cost of gunpowder. So, the previous two movies when he flies is only when he's spinning and he has the, the jets coming out of uh, all his, um, his arm and leg holes, what do you call them, sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so they, that was a budget cutting procedure. This, this did have a lower budget than versus Paragon. I, I don't think any of them had as high of budget as that one. And, um, 
So uh, let's get into Gauss here. Um, Gauss, uh, as we've discussed, is the iconic Gamera villain. Um, and he was designed by Akira Inoue. And um, Inoue's design uh, was brought to life by Masao Yagi, who did most of the suits for the old Gamera films. Um, there's a few different angles of Gauss in flying form and uh, otherwise. And um, uh, the thing about Yagi's suits, uh, the suit actors like them a lot because uh, they were uh, fairly easy to move around in. Um, they weren't too tight or suffocating. Uh, the only problem was they were very fragile. So they broke a lot and had to be repaired a lot during filming. Um, now, uh, with the Gamera Monsters, um, the suits lacked a certain, I guess, I don't know, I don't really want to say uh, realism, but I would say maybe a certain deep uh, level of detail that a lot of the suits in the Toho films did. Um, they generally have a more, uh, I, I would describe it as a more cartoony appearance. Uh, as you can see by, by Gauss here, it's uh, very broad strokes uh, kind of design. Um, uh, so, now, <clears throat> one thing that is interesting about Gauss in comparison to Rodan and um, a lot of other flying kaiju is that uh, instead of walking around with his wings open all the time, he actually folds them when he's not flying. Um, so for as much uh, grief as people give them about the lack of detail in the actual suit, I mean, that's, that's a, something that I don't think I've seen in any other any other kaiju film? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think even Rodan was the... I don't, I don't, know, think he's, I don't know if he's ever done He's ever, yeah, when he walks around and crawls, I think he's always yeah. he's always just like this, look at my wings! Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, here's Gauss, actually, you see him folding up the wings, which would be a natural way that that would happen. And I, I think that the only the... What was the Jurassic Park that they actually had the... The Turner Dodge was yeah. the, the yeah. third one, yeah. and you actually could see them but they were CGI. Yeah, of course. This right. is a suit. Yeah. So you know, and then, I don't know. Maybe maybe they just always figure it was too hard to do with a suit, uh, which would make sense. But yeah, there it is. Um, uh, so speaking of Gauss, uh, he has some interesting powers. Um, most famous is probably his his ray, which is described in the movie as a laser scalpel, whatever that means. Um, but uh, iconic and used in I think every version of the character. Um, and uh, every time he shot that ray, it, it cost probably equivalent of a thousand U.S. dollars to animate. Um, <laughs> so that just—I mean, now uh, you can do that on your laptop, you know. So that—that's just uh, interesting. The the technology from now and fifty years ago is advanced incredibly. Um, so every time you see that beam, just go cha-ching, 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 um, that comes out of what is actually one of my favorite effects in the movie, is that Gauss's cave has this eerie kind of green glow. Um, it's what Mystery Science Theater called the mint jelly effect. Um, and uh, um, when you see that glow, either 
in the miniature set or even when they're standing around um, in the live action set, uh, it has a real eeriness to it that, uh, again, I think that's another thing I like about this movie is that for as silly as it is, like uh, the, the scene where um, uh, the boy and the, the reporter in the cave, it has like a creepiness to it. A lot of it is because of that art direction. And, um, and then of course, when he walks out and then he starts floating, <laughs> and you see later he's eaten by gals. Uh, and also, of course, here's that uh, car cut in half with the engine intact. Um, and there's uh, uh, Reiko Kasahara kind of uh, goofing around uh, in that little, that little split car set. And there's um, another behind the scenes photo, the monsters and the actors kind of, kind of goofing around. Um, and we did mention earlier that uh, the Showa Gamera movies are pretty brutal um, in their monster violence, which uh, probably confused a lot of parents and kids at the time. Um, of course, Gauss would return um, in versus Giron, and he would be dismembered pretty awfully, like Evil Dead kind of dismemberment. And, uh, but yeah, this is the movie where you really start to see a lot of that. There's a little bit in Baragon, but this is the first time Gamera bleeds. Um, and I would imagine that the the suits had um, uh, little bladders or, or things in them that would allow for the gushing blood uh, effects. Uh, the battle scenes are a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to kind of disagree with Matt a little bit here in that I think the aerial battle in the middle of the movie is pretty silly. Uh, we have this thing doing all the work. It can't move at all. <laughs> um, there's one part in particular where it's just floating in, in the air and it's like returning to like kind of like follow Gamera wherever he's going. Um, um, some of my favorite moments are when Gamera pulls his head in his arms and legs in and rolls uh, down the mountain to kind of like try and steamroll Gauss. Uh, the other one is towards the end where G uh, Gamera throws the, the rock in the Gauss's mouth to like block his ray and it gets stuck there. Uh, of course, when he bites off the foot, that regrows later. Um, and uh, as far as the miniature effects, um, I actually think the miniature effects are a pretty significant step up from the previous movies. Um, my favorite scene is uh, Gauss's rampage in uh, Nagoya, which here you see him in the middle of this really fabulous miniature set. Um, again, he uses that ray to, to cut Nagoya Castle in half. Um, there's him flying over the castle. Um, you can actually see the wire, the wire <laughs> hanging over top of the ring. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite. Um, uh, just in general, the art direction of this whole movie is great. Um, this is, of course, uh, when they fight along the mountainside. Um, the thing about Dae was, unlike Toho, they didn't have an established effects department. So um, they were kind of learning as they went along. You know, the first few movies, they were outsourcing effects technicians and model makers from Toho and other companies. Um, and like a lot of things, um, I mean, we were talking about just with the script and the characters and monster action. Um, I think that this is where the miniature uh, effects and everything really clicked together well uh, also. Uh, and of course, um, we have in here somewhere, uh, yeah, here's that turntable set that we talked about where they put the fake blood in the, oh, oh yeah, there we go. They put the fake blood um, in the turntable to, to trap him. Uh, so there's Operation Whirly Herd. This is a, a really good one that 
um, that shows them shooting a scene where uh, Gamera bites off uh, Galaxy's foot. Um, so that's really all I really wanted to say on the effects. Um, Matt, did you want to pick up with um, the additional materials that, that we had? Yeah, um, let's go to slide 37 real quick and we'll talk about Gauss for, for a bit. Um, so this is a, a close-up of, of the Gauss suit. As you can see, we talked about kind of how it's, you know, compared to some of the, the, the Toho suits, it, it's, it's a little less detailed. Um, that's when he's kind of hiding behind the mountain. You can see they got like a, what looks like kind of like a bed or whatever, um, but that's, it's less detailed. And if we go to the next slide, we have the, uh, this is one of the flying props. Um, so it's a very basic, you know, kind of a one prop. And if you watch the film, I mean, it just, it just does this basically very static throughout the entire movie. Um, and then if you go to the next slide, Nick, there's actually, this is some concept art that we found. Um, this is kind of what they envisioned that the battles would be like. So you can see they actually changed the, the sonic beam or whatever, the sound beam, to being from very, kind of it, where it would actually open up to where it would be very focused. Um, so that was something that they changed later on. Um, so one thing I want to point out too is, is Gauss has obviously appeared in a lot of different films. Um, so we have a picture here where in the next movie, Gamera is Guron. This is Space Gauss. And then we actually have another picture which is, um, apparently they were supposed to be too. We don't know. This is just kind of a production still. Um, we have a flying prop and then you actually have the repainted suit that they used from the, the previous film. And then in the next, the next still, we have uh, a scene where all three monsters are appearing together. Gauss in the background. Yeah, <laughs> we never see this in the movie. Um, but Gauss appeared in Gamer vs. Garon, obviously super monster from uh, stock footage. Um, Gamer guarding the universe appeared in Gamer three, and then obviously Gamer the Brave. Um, I believe he appeared in Gamera 4, which is the, the fan the, the yeah. film. It's, it's also worth mentioning that the Heisei Gauss uh, was one of the inspirations for, if anyone here is a fan of Attack on Titan, uh, the way that the Titans eat people. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, you see the multiple um, Gausses, you know, this shot, the, the fact that they came up with that idea for the Heisei uh, Gamera series, that there were multiples of them. So. Uh, you know, whether they built uh, multiples, uh, you know, in the, in the beginning there, because I wonder if they repainted the, the original Gauss suit to give it that chrome. Yeah, the mm -hmm. chrome with a little... Yeah, yeah. Or, or if it was an entirely new suit, and since it's black and white... Yeah, I'm actually not really sure. And since it's black and white, we can't really tell. But, you know, what about that? You know, what about thinking of, of a film that, uh, you know, could have been uh, during this time? You know, it's just interesting to think about some of the lost... Uh, Films of the of the time, this whatever film could have uh, been, whether this is Giron or a or a different kind of film, but uh, yeah, just some really cool things to show there. So, uh, what else do you have actually for us? So now we're going to go into uh, the the manga for the movie, um, which has some some differences. So the, the movie starts out, or the manga starts out, pretty much similar to the movie. Um, Gamera shows up because of an erupting volcano, and if we go to the next little little panel. Gauss kind of immediately shows up and he eats a construction worker, which you can't tell, but if you look at the very bottom of the screen, you see his hat falling. So Gauss shows up and eats the guy, the hat falls, it's kind of implied that he gets eaten. And then in the next slide, um, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. What you have is the guy to the far left of your stuff, of mine, my far left. Um, basically, that's supposed that's a stand-in for the, for the village. Uh, the, the village elder, and basically all of the, of the people in the movie. Um, that's supposed to be as best as I, as far as I can tell, like his daughter. Gauss immediately attacks and, and takes her, and as far as I can tell from the manga, he eats her. 
Um, so that's a different take on everything that we see from the film. And then if you go to the next slide, um, Gamera immediately attacks Gauss with fire. Um, they, they battle, and instead of shooting Gamera's arm, he actually shoots Gamera's foot. So we'll see the repercussion of that in the next slide. Um, you see the, the cut to, the, to my uh, top right. And then you see the sun come up, and then obviously you're going to see Aichi over there who kind of notices that, just like he would in the film where he's going to point that out. Um, and then it goes into the next slide as well. So <laughs> there you have Gamera with the foot in his mouth. Um, he's biting that, and they're kind of engaging in battle. What you notice here is this is taking place all on land. There's no, this isn't water. That's kind of different from, from the film. Gauss is trying to fly away. And in the very next shot, um, if we go, right, yeah, this is what it looks like in the film. And then you go to the next shot here. That's what it looks like in the manga. You have Gamera actually with the foot in his mouth. Um, then we have Operation uh, Whirlybird. So it's a smaller like vat of blood. Gauss actually has to bend over and get it. He lands on top of the hotel. He flies around. He lands, and then this is what it looks like in the film, where he has to, he stands basically right over top of it, just kind of bends over his head. And then when they start moving it around, Gauss looks like he's basically puking or something. I'm not sure what's going on yet. Um, maybe he had a rough night, like a lot of people at G-Festing and drinking. I, I don't know. Um, this is different. This is the village elder trying to take revenge for his daughter, and so he climbs up on top of this tower and he stabs him in the eye. That's something that's uh, that's different. Um, he never dies from this. He ends up uh, escaping, actually. Um, so he stabs Gauss in the eye, and Gauss then eventually escapes from the tower, and now you have the climactic battle. Um, Gamera shows up, and he actually breaks Gauss' wing. He flies directly through it, which prevents Gauss from further escaping. And then basically from this point on, you see the kind of climactic battle. Gamera scorches him with fire. And then you have the next scene. Gamera Gauss is basically just burning to death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fire yeah. And then basically he incinerates him and flies off. So that, that's the manga's, I mean they're similar, but there's some differences. Like a lot of the movies, the manga. They're not, they can draw whatever, they, they don't have to worry about budget. So a lot of the time they're actually kind of cool. They enjoy problem. They go in a real dark area actually too. Yeah, yeah. Gamera. Yeah. Here we see Gauss's face just melting as Gamera flies away triumphantly. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta check out the manga sometime because this is, yeah, this is really cool stuff. And you see there in that slide, it looks like a kid singing the Gamera theme song yeah. as it's flying away. So we're all good at that's what it is. Well, or Gauss is burning alive. That's uh, pretty horrific, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, we actually have a few minutes here. Five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. So, we'll open it up to a few questions or comments. Maybe anyone has. Do we have any, any questions? Anything? Yeah. How rare is that manga? Yeah, you found it. Yeah, Matt, you have this. Song. Yeah, I actually have that. That's from uh, the Gamera's a Gamer picture book that I got. I could actually look it up and tell you which one it's from. But it was, it was a reproduction they included in the Gamera picture book. And I can tell you which one. If you is this the only one that they had in there? Or do they have other movies as well? Uh, it's called, so that's from the Daikaiju Gamera Treasured Photo Album. Um, <laughs> Actually, let me, let me backtrack. So, most of the pictures we got are from the Daikaiju Gamera Treasured Photo Album. Um, and one of the, the mangas from one of the books that we referenced is actually just a reprint of the original manga, and they included it in the very back of the book. Okay. Um, 
I've never seen that particular make of soul because it was it came out with a movie. So I would say it's fairly rare, but what I have is just a black and white reprint. Okay. It's really interesting, yeah, uh, yeah, storybook there. So, uh, any other questions coming this way? Oh, yeah, okay, right here, then you. Over here. Uh, did you guys notice the blob moved out The what? Sorry? The blob moved out the screen with the volcano, and you had to do this. Yeah. I guess it, or if he was unearthed or awakened maybe by it, I, I guess it didn't really. Yeah, it didn't. They don't really. Why does Gauss shoot poison? Oh yeah, when he, when he stops the American flora. Yeah. Well, yeah, we actually forgot to talk about that because this is the only time he ever has that power in any of yeah. the... He's got, he's got flame dousing fog and that's something that he uses as a you know, something to take advantage because yeah. they try to burn down the forest. And Which actually is used pretty creatively in the, the aerial battle when he uses it to put out Gamera's jets. And I think um, for, for the show Gamera Films, if you ever... Um, if you ever watch them, the, the director always kind of makes a couple things. He makes he makes it a way for Gamera to basically be physically hurt. Because Gamera can't be hurt by, by fire, so he has the enemy have a, an ability to hurt Gamera. So I think it's just a way for them to, to make the battle go against Gamera. And one of the other th themes for the Gamera films is Gamera always loses the first battle and then comes back stronger and finds a way to win. So I think it was just a way to do that. I don't think there's actually like a specific reason for it. It was just one of Gauss's abilities that could basically best Gamera. It kind of raises the stakes, um, and, and actually in a way that even some of the guys love movies don't always do. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, I was going to say also about that, he's got that EMP ability, which doesn't really, it doesn't really get explained, but while Gauss is around, the lights flicker and the TV's, you know, kind of going that's in. That's another spooky scene where, yeah. you know, and, and that's one of the few times in any of these movies that you actually see the child character actually act scared, yeah. like a real child. Um, it's all about the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, it's about, you know, how scary he is about what might come. And actually, I was always kind of said Gauss has inspired other monsters by his design. You know, when you look at the Mutos of the 2014 Godzilla, that kind of angular face, he's got an EMP ability as well. So, you know, there's a lot of, of inspiration that all the kinds you have had, you know, for one, from one to the next to the next to the next, and here we are, you know, here in 2017, what's the next? Uh, kaiju, yeah. Uh, about that, so what about its weakest, sorry? How it's similar to Vampire. Oh, it's similar, yeah. yeah. The, the sun kills it. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't like sunlight. Yeah, I just think it was like, birds kind of talked about it, they derived the origin from basically, as far as we can tell, the inspiration for the creature was derived from vampires, and that was... Well, we couldn't find any specific sourcing on that graph. Uh, not especially, but I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, it seems pretty obvious, though. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really cool to see, like, he, he starts turning red. Yeah, he's got that red. cool red glow. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's, yeah, showing that he is he's dying from the sun and all that kind of cool. Yeah, I think we got one more, so it's going to be the last question. 
What's the point of having a split spine? Whatever it was. Split throat? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. what are they, they, they... He's got a tuning fork. That's what they say. He's it's a pseudoscience psychopath. Definitely a pseudoscience, yes. So yeah, the idea that somehow he's creating that ultrasonic frequency. Is that the, the sound portion comes in from one and like the heat portion comes in from another. And I, I think it's really just, they were like, oh crap, this thing can't move its neck. We should <laughs> come up with a reason why. But, they, um, but yeah, that's yeah. the only time they've ever come yeah. up with a reason Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. At least they yeah. try. A lot of the kinds you can't well, turn their well, head. Well, we, we had Tom Kitagawa who played Godzilla on our, our podcast, and he was saying the first time you could play Godzilla and move the head, it was like the best time of his life. That's really a pain for these food actors to not be able to move their head. Think about that. Every time you have to yeah, turn, you're moving your whole shoulders with it. So, yeah, that's... that's one of the first times and only times you'll hear that actually explanation. So, thank you all for being here. I'd like to thank my co-host Kyle and Bird for thank the you, transmissions. I'm Matt. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Kyle Bird, Matt Marley, and I'm Nick Adepoli from Monster Report. We will have this episode on YouTube and on their uh, their uh, channel actually as well on iTunes. Yes. So, so if you like what you've heard, you can look up the Kaiju Transmissions podcast on iTunes and Google Play and Facebook and. Of of course, as always, I'm sure many people know by now, Nick has the Monster Report on YouTube. And uh, Matt, Matt has some cards. Yeah, we have some, so we have some, some business cards that we're handing out in the back if you're interested, which gives you all the information. But we also have some t-shirts, if anybody does. We have like seven t-shirts. We have uh, XL, 2XL, and I think some larges left. They're free. So if you want to like represent or something, hey, come see me, all right? Uh, all right, thank, thank you so much. Thank you.